Well, good morning. Good to see everyone here today. Uh, as he was talking about singing at midnight, I was sitting there thinking, that's probably when I sing my best, as at midnight, when nobody's around to hear. Uh, but anyway, great singing, great time of worship, and I hope you're ready to dive into God's Word this morning to see what He has for us. Last week, we finished up our series that we were in, in the book of Hebrews, looking at Jesus is greater than. And the focus of our teachings this year has been on Jesus, specifically who He is, what He did, and what He taught. The idea behind this focus is that when we truly understand who he is, we truly understand what he did and what he taught, it has a profound impact on what that means to us. That should drastically change our life when we really focus in on Jesus and who he is. So think about this. If Jesus is who he said he is, and Jesus actually did what the Bible tells us he did, and if everything that he taught is true, what is the significance of all of that? How does that apply to my life? How does that change my life? What does that mean to me? Well, we've been discussing this recently, and we came down with one word. What does this mean for us? It means that we are blessed. When you think about what Christ has done for us, we are truly blessed. Matter of fact, this morning, just to help us get going today, turn to your neighbor and say, we are blessed. All right. How many of you did not have your neighbor turn and talk to you? All right. We'll get them going here in a minute if they didn't. But we are truly blessed. Do we believe that today? Do we really understand what that means? I was thinking back to when David Kaya was here a couple months ago preaching, and he was talking about the work that God is doing in Africa. And he's talking about the folks there, and as we were meeting with him over a couple days and learning more about how God is moving there, learning more about their lives, we're finding out that these people have nothing. As a matter of fact, when he was preaching, he was talking about every time that they gained something, It was taken away from them. And so they had absolutely nothing. And I was thinking about that word blessed. And I think so many times in our life, it's easy for us to say, yes, I'm blessed. And for us, we are. We have nice homes to live in. We have nice cars to drive. We have money in the bank. We have all these different things that we can say, look at our life. We are blessed. But what happens if all of that was gone in a moment? Could we still say we are blessed? And the answer to that is, I hope so, because when we realize who Jesus is, we realize what he did, we realize what he taught, and we understand all that, we understand that our blessings are not of the things of this world, but they are what comes from him and through our relationship with him. We are blessed today, not because of all the great things we have, we are blessed because of the greatest thing that we have, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And sometimes I think we we take that for granted. And we lose sight uh, of this truth in our lives. And we gauge how blessed we are by what's going on in our life and how well things are going. And if everything's going great, then I'm blessed. But if I have a little problem over here, well, maybe I'm not so blessed. Jesus said in this world, you're going to have troubles. 
Problems are going to come in this world. This world is not going to always be roses. There's going to be difficulties. And it's in those difficult times can we still say, yes, I am blessed. Because we're looking to Christ and what he has done for us. So it's very important that we look to him and we believe he is who he is. We believe he did what the Bible says he did. We believe the words that he taught and we apply those to our life. This week we're kicking off a five-week series that we will take up to Thanksgiving. And in this series, we'll take a deeper look at how we are blessed. We're just simply calling this series, Hashtag Blessed. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at, I am chosen, I am forgiven, I am secure. Today we're going to be looking at, I am loved. And then at the end of that, right before Thanksgiving, we're going to look at our response to being blessed and hopefully how grateful and thankful we are because of who Christ is and what he has done for us. Our prayer through this series is that you will truly understand the wonderful truth that we are truly blessed because of our relationship that we have with God through his son Jesus Christ. So as we kick off today and we look at I am loved, we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4. So let's begin there if you would. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, he says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. And now, and know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Let's pray together. 
Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for your truth that's in your word, and I thank you for how your word just speaks to our heart, encourages us, convicts us, and God shows us how we are to live our life each and every day. And I pray that your word today would just speak to our hearts. In Christ's name I pray, amen. John tells us at the very beginning to continue to love one another. Now the word love is a very interesting word. It is a word that can be used with all kinds of different meanings. For example, I can say I love tacos. Who doesn't love tacos, right? I can say I love tacos, but I can also say I love my wife. I can even use those in the same sentence. I love tacos and I love my wife. All right? Two different uses of the word love with two different meanings, right? So love can mean all kinds of things. It depends on how we use it in a sentence. When we look at the word love in Scripture, we see three different types of love. There are three words in the Greek which are translated love. The first one is phileo. Now this phileo love means brotherly love or friendship. We connect with one another, we get to know each other, and we have a brotherly love for each other. It's a love that should be encouraging to one another, but it's just a brotherly kind of love. The second word is eros. This word is the romantic love. This is the second level of love. So a boy and a girl, they become friends, and then as they get to know each other, their livers start to quiver. And they fall in love with one another. And now they're into that eros love. But the greatest love of all is agape love. And agape love means sacrificial love. Agape love is a great love that is not based on feelings, not based on emotions, but it's based on a choice that we're going to choose to love no matter what. Agape love is an incredible kind of love. And as a matter of fact, if you think back to the boy and girl whose livers started to quiver and they fell in love and they got married, well, it's not long after marriage that they have their first argument, right? And after their first argument, they think, what in the world did I get into? And they think, I don't think this is worth it. But it's agape love that comes in at that point and says, I don't really like you right now, but I'm going to choose to continue to love you no matter what. That's agape kind of love. And that's the kind of love that John is talking about in this passage as he's saying we need to love one another. And here's why. Because of the wonderful love that God has for us. The truth that I want you to get out of this message today, whether you get anything else or not, is this. You are loved. Now, I don't know, but there may be somebody that came in this morning that's thinking, I don't know that I'm worthy to be loved. It feels like nobody loves me. I, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, trust me, you are loved, and we're going to pull that out of this passage this morning. So if today you're not feeling so lovable, know that you are loved, and you are loved by God, not with a, a phileo kind of love, not with an arrows kind of love, but with an agape love that is unconditional love, that is the greatest love of all, and that is the way that God loves us. So I think I can easily say today, you're not just loved, but you are greatly loved. I want you to think about that for a second. Just let that soak in for a moment, that today I am loved 
by the God who created everything, the God who knows everything, the God who knows me inside and out, and yet he still loves me with that agape kind of love, a love that says, I won't give up on you. I won't quit on you. A love that says that I will keep going with you as you journey through this life. What an incredible thought. What an incredible promise that we're going to see. What incredible thing that's in our life. When we realize how much God loves us, it should completely change the way that we live our life each and every day. So with that in mind, there are a couple of things that I want us to consider about this wonderful love that we see in this passage today. First of all, you are loved by the source of true love. You are loved by the source of true love. In verse 16, he says, God is love. But not only that, in verse 8, he says, God is love. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bibles and and you don't mind marking in your Bible, I would underline those words. God is love. You know what that means? God is the source of love. It doesn't mean that, that God loves because he just wants to love. It is his very nature to love. It is in God's nature to love us because He is loved. And He is the source of love. Now, that's what He says in verse 7. He said, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from who? God. That's where love comes from. God is the source. God is the beginning of this agape love. And it is through God working in our lives that we are able to have this agape love. God is the source of love. God is the fountain in which love flows. So let me give you a little illustration today. I was going to bring a hose, but I forgot it. And so if if we have a water hose and we want to water our yard, what do we connect it to? The spigot on our house. I know some of you are lost on that. We connect it to the spigot on our house, right? And we turn that spigot on, and now there's water coming out the other end. And in this picture, what is the source? The source is that spigot. Now, for those of you that are really thinking deep out there, you know the source is much further. But in this illustration, the source is the spigot. And that source is flowing. That water is now flowing through that hose because the source is pushing the water through. Now, that's a simple illustration, and it's easy for us to say that God is love, that God is the source of love. But sometimes we have a problem in our life with this truth. Has there ever been a season in your life where you felt like God didn't love you? Anybody besides me? There have been times in my life where I've questioned, how can God love me? How can God, I I mean, I'm, I'm a mess, and yet God still loves me. I got to tell you, that's a truth that I've been teaching for years and years and years. And there's still been times that I've struggled with that. I can tell you all day long, God loves you. But there's times in my mind where I'm going, can he really love me? Can he really love me knowing who I am and knowing what I've done? And here's the problem. We have this hose that's connected and the, the water is flowing through. But what happens when we put a kink in that hose, the water stops flowing, right? Did water stop coming out of the source? No, it's still coming from the source, but it's that kink that we put in the hose that now stops that flow from continuing on. And that's the way it is with love in our life, with this love from God, is sometimes we kink the hose, 
And we begin to doubt God's love. We begin to not think about God's love. And that kink in the hose is where the problem is. It's not at the source, but it's at the kink. So what is it that kinks the hose in our life? What is it that keeps the flow of God, the love of God from freely flowing in our lives? There are many examples that I sat down this weekend and thought of just in my own life. But I narrowed it down to a couple that I want to point out. But there are many more. The first one is this. Many people have a view of God that is based on somebody else in their life. For example, a lot of people base their view on God of what their view of their earthly father is. So if your earthly father was loving and kind, then you may have a view of God that he is loving and kind. But if your earthly father uh, was mean and abusive, you may have a view of God that is mean and abusive. And so every time a problem comes in your life, that is the abuse of God that's causing that problem in your life. And it's, it's a miscued view of God. Maybe if your father was distant, you think that God is a distant God. You see, We have all these things in our life, all these things that give us an image of God that we base off of something other than what Scripture tells us about God, other than what we should know as the truth of God. And can I tell you something? When we have those thoughts in our mind, they are simply false beliefs that come from something else. And we need to look to God's Word and we need to understand that God is a God of love. That God is the source of love. And if we want to know what true love is, don't we need to go to the source? Isn't that the best place to go? I always love it when a story starts going around about something and, it's, and you're looking and go, oh, that's an interesting story. And then you go to the source of the story and you go, that's not even close to what is truth. If we really want to know what true love is, we go to the source, which is God himself. Another false belief that we sometimes have is that God's love is based on my performance, or it is based on my actions. So if I behave good today, then God's going to love me good today. But if I behave bad today, then guess what? God's not going to love me quite so much, right? And it's easy for us to have that. And you know why we have that? Because of our human love. Our human love is limited, right? And we base our love on others, for others, on their performance. If they perform well, we will love them. If they don't perform well, I don't have to love them anymore, right? Isn't that true? It's so easy that we do that. As long as somebody acts the way I want them to act, then I will love them. Another false belief about God's love. And there are many other examples, as I mentioned, that we could go through. But what I want you to notice is that God's love is not just the source, but it is the source of real love. Notice what he says down in verse 10. Again, a great, great thing to mark in your Bible, that this is real love. Hollywood's got its false love that they want you to believe. Your friends, your neighbors, your, your even people in your family may have a false love that they want you to believe. And guess what? We've got an enemy out there that comes against us every day that wants us to doubt God's love, doesn't want us to believe that God's love is the real love, that worldly love is the real love. 
But when we can get this in our mind that God is the source of love, and not just the source of love, but His love is real love, and when we want to know what love is, when we truly want to understand love in our life, we go to the source and we see that God is the source of real love. So when we think about that, we've got these false beliefs. What are some truths about God's love? Well, again, there's a whole list of them. I've narrowed it down to a few. And the first one is this. God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. That means it's not based on how well you perform. It is not based on anything that you do. There's nothing that you can do that will cause God to love you more. There's nothing you will do that will cause God to love you less. God's love for you is a perfect love. It cannot be improved upon, and it cannot be taken away from. His love is unconditional. And Romans 5.8 says, But God shows His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. And notice what again what John says in verse 10. This is true love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. He's saying it's not about what you have done. It's all about what He has done. It is all about His nature to love. And God loves you unconditionally. I love this. It's not after we start behaving right in my life. I cannot tell you how many times I've talked with people and they're like, I'll come to Christ when I get my life a little bit straightened up, when I get some of these problems taken care of in my life. Let me say this, I am so grateful that Christ didn't say, when you start behaving better, when you start acting better, it's then that I will go to the cross and I will die for you. It says that while we were still in our sins, while we were still in our transgressions, you know what that means? While we were still messed up. Oh, I know you're thinking, I'm not messed up. He's messed up, but I'm not messed up. No, we're all messed up. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And it's while we were in our sins that Christ died for us. Isn't that good news? That we can't do anything. We can't improve our life. By the way, let me tell you this. I've learned this the hard way. It's much easier for your life to be improved with Christ than it is without Christ. Matter of fact, I'll say it's impossible without Christ. But with Christ and the work that he does in us, he begins to change us. And he begins to make us into that new creation. That wonderful creation. The one that he has called us to be in this life and when we come to him that is what it's all about you say but you don't know how bad I've messed up no I don't and you don't know how bad I've messed up and I know this even with all of my mess ups if God can still love me he can still love you even with all my failures and mistakes, if he can love me and use me, he can love you and use you in even greater ways. God loves us unconditionally. Unconditionally, an uh, example of that that we see in Scripture is the story that Jesus told the, the, of the prodigal son in the book of Luke. You know the story where the son goes to the father and says, I want my part of the inheritance because I want to go live in the world. 
I like the way the world looks. I want to go out. And he goes out and, and he just blows all of the inheritance. He's living the wild lifestyle. And he finally finds himself at the bottom. And he says, I'm going to go home to my father. At least I can go there and be one of his servants and live better than what I'm living now. And what he didn't know is the whole time that he was gone, the father was watching and waiting for him to come back. And when the father sees him coming, the father runs out to him. And the father wraps his arms around him and he takes him back to the house and they have a great celebration. They throw a big party. That is unconditional love. And that is the picture of God with us. Unconditional love. So no matter what you've done, God still loves you. And the second thing is this, God's love is unfailing. Psalms 136.6 says, Give thanks to the God of heaven, for His steadfast love endures forever. God's love endures forever, and that is great news for us. Unlike human relational love that is temporal, that is seasonal, that is conditional, God's love is eternal and steadfast. Beyond our human understanding, it is, goes on and on and on for eternity, forever and ever and ever. And I, I have to tell you, I have a hard time with that eternity going on forever and ever. Because to me, something's got to come to an end, but it never does. And God's love never comes to an end. God's love is faithful. God's love is unfailing. God's love endures forever. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. What can separate us from God's love? Absolutely nothing. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. God's love is unfailing. That is good news. That means that when I fail, he doesn't fail. That means it's not for a season, but it's for ever. And then third, God's love is unmeasurable. <laughs> Ephesians three seventeen through 19 says, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height, and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Can I tell you this? That even in our best mind, our worldly minds will never be able to completely comprehend the greatness of God's love. How deep it is. How wide it is. How far reaching it is. But one day... When we get to heaven, we're going to be so amazed. And we'll think, man, I've got this figured out. No, we don't. We're not even close to understanding how great God's love is for all of us. And I, I could keep going today about how great God's love is. We could all sit around. We could talk over and over about how God, great God's love is. But know this. If you don't get anything else, know this. God loves you. And he loves you right now, right here, the way you are. And I always love the saying, but he loves you too much to keep you the way you are. And that is true. But he accepts you today just as you are. Now, again, you may be sitting there today and you may be feeling like, 
I don't feel like God loves me. I, I can get that. I can see the truth. But I, I just don't feel like that God loves me today. So how can I know for sure that God loves me? Well, I'm glad that you asked that question this morning. And I've had many people over the years that have asked me that question. All sounds good, but how can I know that God really loves me? Well, look again with me, if you would, at verse 10. In verse 10, he says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You want to know how much God loves you? All you have to do is look at the cross that Jesus Christ died on. Jesus died for your sins as a sacrifice for your sins so that our relationship with God could be restored, could be renewed, and we could have this eternal relationship with Him. God loved you so much that as John 3.16 says, that He loved the world so much. That is you. That is me. He loved all of us so much that He gave His one and only Son. And His one and only Son went to the cross, died in your place, died in my place, became that perfect sacrifice as we've looked at over the last several weeks. Became that perfect sacrifice for our sins, that once and for all sacrifice for our sins. And He died in your place. You and I deserve that cross. But He took our place and He died for us. You want to know how much God loves you? Look to the cross. Look and see how God was willing to give up His one and only Son for each and every one of us. So now it's decision time. This is great news, right? God loves us. I can leave today. I can feel good about that. God loves us. But, but what do we do with that? I, it, we don't just need to hear it and not respond to it. Now it comes time for a response. So what is the decision that you need to make? Well, today, if this is your first time of understanding this truth, maybe you've heard it before, maybe you haven't heard it before, but it's your first time of understanding this truth, you need to receive this truth. You need to believe this truth, believe that it's for you, and receive what God did for you. How do we do that? We do that by faith, by believing in faith that God loves me. And then God just doesn't love me, but He loves me so much that He gave His one and only Son to die in my place. To die for my sins. And not just did He die on that cross, but He rose again. And now He lives. And if I will just believe in Him by faith, I will trust Him as my Lord and Savior. And I will confess Him with my mouth that He is my Lord and Savior, that I will be saved. That's where it is for you if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's believing this truth. You see, the Christian journey begins with the recognition that you are unconditionally, irrevocably, ridiculously loved by God just as you are. And you come to Him in faith and you say, I believe and I trust. And I'm placing my faith and trust in Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And today you accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Today, if you've never done that, that is the greatest decision you can ever make in your life. That is the greatest thing that you can ever do. We will say that week after week, day after day, because it is the truth. Trust Christ 
as your Lord and Savior. But maybe you've already done that. For some of us, it's been years ago since we've done that. Maybe this is a great reminder to us of just how much God loves us. But what do we do with this in our life? We have, we have placed our faith and trust. Well, look at verse 11. He says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression in us. That, to me, is a very powerful verse for those of us that are followers of Christ. He says that no one has seen God, but when they see the love of God that flows through us, in that they will see God. What are we to do? We are to let the love of God flow through us and we are to love others. So let's go back to the source, the water hose. We turn on the water and the water runs out the end, but what happens if we put a bunch of little holes along the way in that water hose? I think they call that a drip hose, by the way. And you put all those hoses, those holes in there, that water that's now flowing begins to seep out. And it begins to water the ground in other places than just at the end. You see, we are not to be a a bucket of some kind or a container of some kind that just holds God's love all to ourselves. We are to be a conduit that allows God's love to flow through us. And just like that hose with many holes in it, as we are loving others, the world is watching The world is seeing, and through that, they're able to see God through the love that we have. As a matter of fact, they will know that we are His by the love that we show for one another. And so we are to love others. And it's not just to love others that are in the body of Christ, but to love everyone and to show God's love to others. So think about this in our own lives. What would our world around us be like? If we allowed the love of God, this unconditional love of God, this real love to flow through us. You know, the world is looking for love, right? What's the song say? They're looking for love, but they're looking for it in all the wrong places, right? I would sing it if I were Shane, but that would be bad because it's not midnight, so I can't sing it yet. But uh, midnight, I will stand out on my lawn and I will sing it to the top of my lungs if y'all will come and listen. Some of my neighbors are shaking their head, no, don't do that. But the world is looking for love, and you know what they're looking for? True love, real love, unconditional love, the love that we have that's coming from God now flowing through us. So in our homes, if we were to share that kind of love, in our workplace, if we were to show that kind of love, in our church, if we were to show that kind of love, In our community, if we were to show that kind of love, think of the difference that we could make. Because through that love, they can see God at work. And it's then that the world begins to look at us and go, wait a second, they do have something different than what we have. They do have something that I need. And I want to know more about that. I want to know more about this. Verse 21, and he has given us this command 
Those who love God must also love fellow believers. Those who love God must in turn love. We don't keep it to ourselves. We share it with the world around us. So today, if you don't know Christ, you haven't placed your faith and trust in Him, that's the beginning step for you. For the rest that have received Christ, you know Him as your Lord and Savior, it is to let His love flow through. And I believe that begins with us truly understanding, truly believing that God really is real love. And He loves us. Christians, sometimes it's easy in our life. I've admitted it. Sometimes it's easy in our life to question that love. What do we do when we question? We go back to the truth that we find in Scripture. And we let that truth remind us of God's love for us. We don't let the enemy put thoughts in our heads, false beliefs in our mind. We don't kink that hose. If that hose is getting kinked, go back to the Word. Go back. Just do a Google search. This is amazing. Go ahead and do a Google search about God's love for us. It is amazing how many scriptures you can go back to about how much God loves us. God loves us. And He cares for us. And that is great news for us today. Let's pray together. You bow your head and close your eyes today. I just want you to think about God's wonderful love for us. And today, if you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, and He's speaking to your heart, would you just open up your heart to Him today and say, God, I believe. I don't completely understand. I don't know how all this works, but God, I believe. And today, I place my faith and my trust in You. I want You to be my Lord and Savior. I want to receive this wonderful love. Thank you for giving your son to die in my place. And I believe and I trust. As believers today, as God's speaking to your heart, about something you need to do, about a decision you need to make, about a step you need to take, just be obedient to him today. Father, I thank you again for your word. I thank you for the truth that comes through your word. I thank you for the love that you have for us. And God, it's a love that sometimes we don't completely understand, that we don't completely uh, grasp here this side of heaven. But God, we know and we believe and we trust that you love us. And God, you proved that wonderful love by giving us your son, Jesus Christ. And God, today I thank you for uh, just speaking to our hearts and I pray that as we let this uh, message sink in, that God, we would be obedient to you in whatever way you lead us in our walk with you. God, we truly are blessed because of who you are and who we are in you. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.